0: Welcome back to A Dose of History. I am Isabel and this is another microdose. In this episode I will be exploring a drug originating from the sweet clover plant, a drug originally developed as a rat poison, which through a case of human poisoning became recognised for its therapeutic potential. Let's begin. During the 1920s across the United States, a grassland weed sweet clover was wreaking havoc, threatening the livelihood of farmers. Sweet clover is a member of the Fabaceae family, with the two species involved being Melolotus alba and Melolotus officinalis. The word Melolotus originates from the ancient Greek words meli, meaning honey, and lotos, meaning lotus. Cattle were dying from spontaneous hemorrhaging or hemorrhage after minor procedures, particularly during damp periods of the year after eating their normal diet of sweet clover hay. The cause remained a mystery and was causing significant financial strain for the farmers involved. One particularly distressed farmer, determined to find the cause of these events, drove one of his unwell cows over 200 miles to the biochemist Carl Link in Wisconsin. It took Link over six years to identify the source of the poisoning, which he concluded was dicuramol as the causative agent. The plant itself contains cumarin, which does not have any anticoagulant properties and has a bitter taste to it and gives the cut grass scent to the hay. Numerous other grasses also contain cumarin. This bitter, sweet, seemingly harmless compound, however, is converted to its blood thinning state to form dicuramol by the action of common fungi like penicillium, aspergillus and fusarium. These fungi thrive in damp conditions explaining the increased death rates amongst the cattle in wet weather. The blood thinning or anticoagulant properties of dicuromol were then utilised as a rodenticide over the coming years, with the formulation of a particularly potent variant in 1948. The name of this variant was named after the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation, WARF for short, which as you can probably guess is the drug Warfarin. The way warfarin works is it inhibits the clotting of blood by decreasing the activity of procoagulant factors, which are normally activated by vitamin K, leading in high enough doses to uncontrolled bleeding, particularly following minor injury. Warfarin was particularly successful as a rat poison, owing to it being water soluble and tasteless, so it could be mixed into food pellets or powdered with talc. In the case of the tainted talcum powder mix the unsuspecting rodent would become covered in the powder, with ingestion following shortly through its usual grooming activities. This method of poisoning is arguably inhumane, with death coming from the uncontrollable internal bleeding, and this is not a particularly quick death either. So how did this drug become recognised for its therapeutic potential in humans? Prior to the use of warfarin, The heparin drugs were used for therapeutic anticoagulation in hospitals. They are still used today as a daily injection for most hospital patients, and particularly those with a history of blood clots, patients pre and post-surgery, and cancer patients. The problem with heparins is that they are only available in the injectable form, which is not a comfortable long-term solution for many patients requiring anticoagulation. The source for an agent that could be taken orally as a tablet was ongoing during this time. Then in 1951, a US army inductee presented to hospital following an intentional overdose of warfarin rat poison with the intention of ending his life. He was successfully treated with vitamin K, which stimulates the procoagulant factors that warfarin inhibits, reversing the poisoning successfully. Doctors became aware of this case and recognized its potential if carefully dosed as an oral medication, for use in patients requiring long-term anticoagulation. Despite its use being rolled out, the exact mechanism of action was only discovered in 1978 by Wisconsin University researcher John Sutty. This did not stop notable individuals being treated with this drug in the meantime, such as President Eisenhower following a heart attack in 1955. So where is warfarin now? Well, it has since fallen out of favour as a rat poison, owing to brown rat populations in particular developing resistance to it, as well as the understandable concerns related to animal suffering. There have also now been developed so-called super warfarins, which are up to a thousand times more potent than warfarin as poisons. Yet they are concerning due to their persistence in the food chain, with birds of prey falling victim to them following ingestion of poisoned rodents. As a therapy, warfarin is still in common use for in particular atrial fibrillation as an increasingly common irregular heart rhythm that many individuals develop in older age as well as for structural heart defects. Warfarin requires regular monitoring owing to its narrow therapeutic window which can be burdensome for patients. However, it has been superseded for numerous indications by a new class of anticoagulants, notably the direct oral anticoagulants, DOACs. These include rivaroxaban and apixaban. These new drugs target specific factors involved in the clotting cascade, and so are more selective. These new drugs do not require the strict monitoring that warfarin does due to a more predictable therapeutic dose, and have fewer interactions with other medications, making them a convenient and potentially safer option for many patients. Warfarin still remains the mainstay for patients who have had metallic valves inserted, have impaired kidney function, and those with structural heart disease. Like many therapies, this may change in the future, but for now this older drug is still successfully used by numerous patients worldwide. This has been an episode of Microdose, a shorter episode of A Dose of History. We thank you for your continued support of the podcast, and we will be back with another episode soon. Please subscribe for future content, and if you would like to give feedback on this podcast, please email us at history at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at adosehistory. We look forward to giving you A Dose of History soon. For now, all the best.